0: Big surprise, flowers are coming back. One good tip for bee stings is morphine. Ants don't have a word for garbage. Tamers tame the savage beast. Moss water snakes, all swamp things. Don't track carpet fibers onto the mud. Human babies couldn't handle what larvae deal with. The more sand, the better, sometimes. Is it whale time yet? So many stars. Welcome now to Out of All Doors. Hello, and welcome to the 19th episode of Out of All Doors. I'm your host, Adam Drent, and you're listening to Out of All Doors, a podcast about the outdoors. I'm sorry, I I recognize that the introduction would be better if I just stopped my explanation of the basic premise of the podcast there, but I I can't help myself. I'm compelled to keep going and say that it's also about all the things found in the outdoors, which is probably self-evident, but I just keep thinking about the person who hears that intro and is like, it's just about the outdoors. What about animals? I'm turning this off. So I know it sounds silly, but that person probably does exist. And if you're listening, sir or ma'am, yes, this podcast often focuses on animals. Please keep listening. Anyway, as those of you who listened to last episode are aware, we devoted quite a lot of attention to answering the question of a listener named Andrew who wanted to know how to, like, meet an octopus or something. So we were all very respectful, and we did our very best to approach his question from all angles and really thoroughly address it. And then I listen to the episode after I post it, and lo and behold, who do I hear at the end of the introduction deliberately insulting Andrew? That dirty ghost. So here I am again having to tell you that the views of the ghost do not reflect the views of Out of All Doors. We actually hate the ghost. So actually, Andrew, if the ghost doesn't like you, then that means we like you even more. Because however the ghost feels, we feel the opposite. So aside from that, and Squall still not responding to my request for him to answer Natalie's question, I think things went pretty well last time and we showed how welcoming and inclusive the Out of All Doors family really is and how committed we are to serving our listeners. That said... I need to address something else. So I didn't specifically ask you guys to send more questions in during last episode, but the door is always open. And I hope that it's understood that from here on out, we will be happy to answer any and all questions you have within reason. And the reason I have to say within reason so sternly like that is because of this email I got from Jeremy in Birmingham. He writes, Hey, Out of Old Doors, I really like the show. I have a question about the outdoors that I hope you guys can help me with. What's the best way to keep a bear from getting into my pack while I'm camping overnight somewhere? Do I really have to go to the trouble of hanging it off the ground every night? Thanks, Jeremy. All right. I mean, give us a break, Jeremy. You think we can't see what's going on here? I mean, it's one thing to send us questions that you hope we'll answer, but it's another thing to assume that just because we base an entire show around answering Andrew's question, we're going to do the same for you one month later. Get real, Jeremy. Grow up. That's not how the world works. We don't owe you anything. You should be grateful that we even bothered to read your letter. To think that you deserve an entire episode is truly galling. Your sense of entitlement is staggering, Jeremy, just staggering. I should probably just stop talking about it now or else I'm going to start crying angry tears again like I did when I first read your email. But because I did promise that we would answer any questions that you guys wrote in, I will answer your question, Jeremy, but I will answer it briefly and tersely. No, you don't have to hang your pack just take all the food out of it and pack the food around yourself inside your sleeping bag. And remember, listeners, if you have any questions for Out of All Doors, please don't hesitate to send them to outofalldoors at gmail.com, unless your question is going to be a shameless, flagrant, insulting attempt to focus all the attention on yourself, like Jeremy from Birmingham's was. Let's begin, shall we? Now, the outfit of a day with the Ghost Bat Queen.
1: The outfit of a day is the damp ground depressing beneath our feet, swollen after the melting of the snow. I gesture to a spot up ahead where the first buds of spring are freeing themselves from the dirt. Here, you ask? I kneel to get a closer look and gaze back at you. Yeah, I answer. These are bedflowers. We rest beside them and try to keep our eyes open. When we wake up, the sky is pink and the treetops are silhouettes. I murmur an expletive, but you gasp and grab my arm. A pair of hooves is emerging mere feet from us. We stay still, breath baited, as a faint snort is made audible from beneath the soil. I've waited my whole life for this, you whisper. The horse breaks the surface, pulling itself forward with its front legs. It doesn't notice us. It stands for the first time in months, it shakes itself clean. Welcome, once again, to another giant episode of Jason and Brady
2: from Earth. These both
3: So, where are we today, Jason?
0: I believe this version of Earth could be beneficial in our hunt for information about our misplaced diary, but I have to warn you, according to my calculations on this planet, the things that might be considered a pet peeve on your planet will be considered virtues.
3: All right. well I have a pretty good idea where this is going, which is nowhere good, but let's get to it.
0: It looks like we've located this Earth's version of me, Jason. Hey, Casey and I have been traversing the multiverse looking for the home of this diary. Can you help us? Oh, panties to you both. I'm sorry? Panties. It's the most wonderful word, isn't it? It's so great that we use that word as a way to greet each other on our Earth. Ah, I see. Well, panties to you, Jason. And a very moist panties to you, other Jason.
3: All right. well, uh, any thoughts on where this diary might have come from?
0: Um, I don't recognize the diary, but maybe I can help you. We're about to hold a meeting to discuss the contents of our next episode of Out of All Doors. We're hoping to make this one a full three hours.
3: Oh, man, I hate overly long podcasts. What? Never mind.
0: We never plan ahead to have enough seats, so just stand somewhere awkwardly. Adam is just about to start. Then, after, you can ask about your diary. Hear ye, hear ye, come to order. Let the minutes show this. The meeting to plan the next three-hour episode of Out of All Doors has been called to order.
3: Oh, an overly officious meeting. The best kind.
0: Oh, you don't know the half of it. Today, we won't actually decide anything. This is just a meeting to decide how we'll decide what to include in the next episode. And we've invited a whole bunch of people who have nothing to do with the creative process, but who will end up having a say in the end. Ah, an unnecessary meeting where you've invited a ton of participants who don't need to be there. Exactly. Okay, uh, let's go over the minutes from the last meeting. Uh, um, let's see. So we're gonna have to just say. Oh, no,
3: What's he saying?
0: Oh, Adam is a soft talker, isn't it? Great.
3: That is an awfully loud clock.
0: Only the loudest clocks for the out of all doors offices. I'm getting something to drink.
3: Yeah, that's cool. Don't offer me a drink or anything.
0: Of course I wouldn't. Mmm, this looks like a good soda. Please don't call it soda.
3: Jason, I can't stand the smell in this room anymore. I've got to get out of here.
0: Oh, that's probably everyone's body odor. We don't bathe. You're welcome. That's
3: awful. You should. You... Really, Oh,
0: that reminds me. I'm going to interrupt you now. Everyone, listen to me. Bring the meeting to a halt, please, so I can say something that has absolutely nothing to do with anything. Oh, please do. Let the record show that Jason has interrupted the meeting out of the blue for some much-needed nonsense. Thank you. Anyway, you know what I love? Running gags that are just beat into the ground just for the sake of having said that you've done it. They're not really funny anymore, but the person who creates the running gag must think they're real smart to just keep on pigeonholing it in somewhere.
3: Ugh, those are the worst.
0: Not this one. It's, in fact, the best. Listen. Abba, now we're cookin'! Oh, if you say pajamas, and I say pajamas, i wear pajamas and give up pajamas. I
3: saw that coming.
0: Of course you did, but did you see this coming? Abba, now we're cooking. Oh, if you say pajamas, and I say pajamas, i wear pajamas and give up pajamas. Yes. Oh, here comes the Casey of our planet.
3: Hey, everyone. I'm late. And it's for good reason. I pushed all of the elevator buttons on the way up.
0: Oh, good. That means I can start over from the beginning. Let the minutes show I'm starting the meeting over as Casey, graciously, was late. But before we do that, let's all take a moment to light up several cigarettes each. And please enjoy a few moments for cracking your knuckles. And as always, please make use of the complimentary nail clippers at each of your seats. Adam, please say that again, I was texting while you were talking and not paying attention in the least. That's great, but as a favor, I'm going to ignore what you just said. Now, before we begin again, I'd like the record to show that every member of the Out of All Doors team has the flu today, but we all showed up to work anyway.
3: You're driving me crazy.
0: Oh no, when you just said you are, meaning you are, in your head, how did you spell it?
3: Um, the correct way? Y-O-U apostrophe-R-E?
0: Oh boy, Casey, get down!
3: What the hell just happened?
0: You used the correct homophone. They can't stand that on this Earth, so their heads exploded. T-H-E-I-R heads
3: exploded?
0: This whole universe is becoming unstable. Casey, let's get out of here.
3: Yeah, I suppose we should. Uh, You know what I really hate, though? Plots that never seem to find a way to move forward. Oh, in, in plots that revolve around a MacGuffin that's unnecessary, other than to try to move the plot forward.
0: Oh, that reminds me. Don't forget to grab the diary.
3: I won't, Jason. I mean, where would we be without the diary? Hey,
0: have you seen Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice yet? I mean, I don't want to spoil anything for you.
3: Oh yeah, no, no worries. I've seen it. But could you believe the ending? When they killed Superman? <laughs>
0: We're locked in a metal box, all of us in there together, crammed shoulder to shoulder, no room to move at all. It's a real mess, a real bad situation for any claustrophobic people in the group, of which there may be a few and maybe more than a few, but everyone's keeping it together, even if just barely. But if any of us tell you we don't want to get out of this metal box, well, if we're in a country where they hang people for lying, then hang that person in accordance with the law of the land. We're not comfortable, and somebody smells like sweat. Human, human sweat. Our best guess? Whoever's packed into that corner over there and panting as if dog-like breathing is early spring's hottest trend of all time. And then comes a clanking on the outside of the metal box. A deliberate clanking. This is no accidental clanking. This is no casual clanking. Idle clanking in passing. This is the clanking of a purposeful clanker. And within seconds, that purpose becomes clear. The box opens and out we spill, into the dusk, into the world, with all its people, all its places, all its objects, all its creatures, and chief among those creatures are those with fur and wings, eyes and teeth, feet and mystique. We have entered the vast universe outside of our metal box. We have entered the battery. "'Where do you want me to put this?' asks the carrier." "'Here,' says the Emperor, and he rises from his throne. The carrier climbs the 105 steps to the throne and sets the pregnant bat down on the seat of the Emperor's throne. The seals in the fountain bark their heads off, the walrus in the fountain gently guides a beach ball around the surface of the water with his tusks. The Emperor hands the carrier a bucket designed to occupy a carrier's hands when there's nothing of import to carry, so the carrier doesn't panic.' Then the emperor kneels next to the throne and watches as fifteen bats are born, one after the other. Two of the newborn bats are albinos. The first newborn bat hears voices in its head. The voices of cavemen, words spoken thousands of years before, bestowing the caves henceforward to bats as the cavemen moved their clubs and cots into houses and became housemen, and then just men, dropping their preferred dwelling from their title. The bat doesn't understand the voices, doesn't know that they are voices, hears them only as ah ah-melodious background music for his instincts. The second newborn bat is the runt. She is microscopic. The emperor watches as the mother bat, with thirteen babies still inside of her, appears to lift empty air. But she loves all of her children the same, even if one is so small as to be practically invisible. The third newborn bat is born with a cricket clutched to its chest, like a teenage boy saying goodbye to a teddy bear before leaving for college, knowing the teddy bear will not recognize him when he returns at Thanksgiving without acne. The fourth newborn bat is too hungry to think straight. She tries to blackmail the emperor of all people, the one man one should never try to blackmail, the man with an entire division of his army devoted to dealing with blackmailers. But he is merciful. He feeds the hungry newborn bat a cockroach that's been soaking in pineapple juice since the emperor got the bat's pregnancy announcement in the mail. The fifth newborn bat looks like a freak, but not in any particular way. It's like this. The emperor looks at it and thinks, Oh, goodness, two heads. But then he looks closer and thinks, No, only one head. Why did I think two? He shivers like a goose just walked over his grave, which is impossible because he has snipers posted around the perimeter of his grave to shoot all geese who stroll too near. The sixth newborn bat immediately takes flight. What a little prodigy. But it doesn't appear to take any pleasure in the flight, a poignant reminder that knowledge is not wisdom. This baby bat will either learn to enjoy that which it excels at, learn to monetize angst, or challenge itself to achieve things which come less naturally to it, such as appealing to old ladies. The seventh newborn bat wants to be ignored, but the occasion is too important. It gets scared by the barking of the seals. It cowers beneath a fold of the emperor's billowy pants. It tries to blend into the crowd, looking casual, edging toward the basement stairs, and then, when caught, edging toward the out-of-order teleporter. Good luck with life, little bat. It seems like it might be a little rough for you. The Eighth Newborn Bat was born directly onto the Emperor's throne and acted like it staged a coup. The Ninth Newborn Bat is shocked to discover that it's a mammal. It thought the inside of the womb was the inside of an egg, it thought some of its siblings were birds and some were reptiles, and it believed itself to be a grotesque hybrid of the two, unfit for compassion. But now it looks up and meets the loving gaze of its mother, the loving gaze of the Emperor, the loving gaze of the inaccurate portrayal of the Emperor's bloodthirsty father painted on the ceiling. The tenth newborn bat wasn't breathing. The Emperor's face crumbled. He picked up the tiny, still bat and put it in a jewel-encrusted cardboard box labeled Didn't Quite Make It. The Emperor had made the box himself with the help of one hundred of the world's finest jewelers and two amateur cardboard box makers. The 11th newborn bat did itself a lot of favors by just being humble, being grateful, and looking a lot like a kitten with wings. The 12th newborn bat was an out-and-out slob, sloppy and slovenly, unkempt and uncouth. It came into the world a mess, and the world became messier for it. The emperor tried to dab the newborn bat with a paper towel, but the bat tore the paper towel to pieces, scattered the pieces everywhere, and barfed on purpose out of spite. Then it started eyeing the emperor's dessert tray, laden as it was with gooey and crumbly treats, fresh from the subterranean ovens of the emperor's prisoner chef, Sinclair. Servants, said the emperor ruefully, prepare a bath for all of us. The 13th newborn bat was one of the albino bats. It became known as the first bat to ever appear on a postage stamp, which was not true because many other bats had appeared on stamps before it was even born, and also, it never appeared on a stamp. Some people believe that it got its false reputation by pilfering small items from around the palace, pawning them, and saving up its money until it had accumulated enough to send away for a deluxe plan from False Reputations Unlimitable, a company whose reputation was both excellent and dubious. The 14th newborn bat was the other albino bat. Just one day after it was born, it would be kidnapped. Years later, one of the emperor's ash-avoiders, whose job it was to never come into contact with ashes of any kind, would find the bat in the city market, held in a cage made of bone and damp velvet. When the bat was restored to its siblings, it taught them vulgarity, and they taught it how to deploy vulgarity with refined style. No one ever found out who had kidnapped it, but I know... It was one of the seals. It wrapped a belt around its own snout to keep from barking during the kidnapping. And it worked. The 15th newborn bat has never been seen. Some deny its existence. Some say it appears only in visions and always shrouded in mist. Some say that can't be true because it's allergic to mist. And some say... Some say... The 15th baby bat born on that day took control of the emperor's mind and now rules the empire from behind the throne with the emperor as his plaything, which would go a long way to explaining why the emperor mispronounced the word emperor this year's Your Emperor is Empathetic speech. I even know one person who says the 15th newborn bat was actually the mother bat giving birth to herself again as a baby. And that at the moment of birth she passed her consciousness into the new version of herself in an unsteady first step toward immortality. And two people told me that the 15th newborn bat turned out to be the Emperor's ring that he'd lost inside the mother bat the last time he'd helped her deliver her babies, so I don't know what to think. The metal box awaits us. We shower and apply lots of deodorant and brush our teeth. We stretch, getting limber. We change into soft, breathable clothes. Then we climb back into the metal box, arranging ourselves together as best we can in such a tight space, trying our best to keep sharp elbows and knees out of soft stomachs and thighs. Then someone closes us, and only us, inside, and we leave. The battery. So I got another email this month from the critic who said we couldn't rightly call ourselves an outdoors show without a segment about uh, outdoor photography. And he said that regarding the dawn was exactly the kind of thing he was looking for and that we can now fully and rightly consider ourselves a real outdoors show. He also said that even though he said his name was Wayne D. Benjamin last time, his name is actually Noah, and he doesn't know why he accidentally said otherwise. But anyway, I guess Cousin Ben and Dwayne are mostly playing by the rules, so regarding the dawn is continuing for now... But they're still on a very short leash, and at the first sign of subversion, I'm going to figuratively slit their segment's throat. Uh, But anyway, here they are.
2: Regarding the dawn. Regarding the dawn. Regarding the dawn. Regarding the dawn.
4: Hey, Dwayne. What time is
2: it? It's dawn time.
4: Dawn time? Already? I mean, wasn't it... I thought it was just like 24 hours ago.
2: It was.
4: Well then, I guess we should go and regard it. Welcome
2: all to... Regarding regarding the the dawn. Dawn. (laughs) <laughs>
4: uh, hey everyone this is cousin ben
2: and i'm Dwayne leesman and this is our outdoor photography show
4: we are here to help you all learn to take better photographs of the stuff that needs to be photographed the most but that gets photographed the least nature there is a huge shortage of outdoor photography and we are here to help change that
2: yep this month we are going to start you people off by getting you some help picking out your equipment I don't know about you, but I can never get any help at a store when I need it. Boy, I hear you there. I mean, like, when you're really, really in need of something, like, uh, they have 20. no respect for your situation, and they, and they just have to make it harder and harder to get any answers, Wait. and they just constantly want you to talk to their manager! Talk to their manager! Wait. And then everyone is taking a video with their phones, and they dude. just... do 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 dude! dude, dude. Um,
4: what? Uh, I just don't want us to run out of time before you get to share the list of equipment suggestions that you worked on.
2: Oh, yeah, whatever. Go on, Dwayne, let's get this rolling. Fine, so like, the first thing you will need is a camera. Duh. It's easy to mess this up, but don't worry, listeners, we are here to help you. And we won't bring any store detectives with us either. Come on, Dwayne! There are lots of cameras to choose from, but Ben and I have narrowed it down to just one for you so that you don't have to worry about it. Just trust us.
4: That's right. We will remove all chance of you screwing it up and taking horrible pictures of the magnificent outdoors with your less than magnificent camera. What you guys need is a Canon 1DX Mark II full frame professional DSLR. It's the best. It's a little pricey, but hey, nature isn't cheap. Why should it be cheap to get to use her as your muse and make your art? It shouldn't. So suck it up and get with the program, Scrooge McDuck. The 1DX Mark II will set you back about six grand. So get that loan application filling out hand all limbered up and make sure you know the addresses of your local soup kitchen so that you can start suffering for your art. Nature suffers for you, and she doesn't want to listen to you whine.
2: No one wants to listen to you whine. Uh,
4: uh, Yeah, so... uh, Shut up. uh, Yes, (laughs) shut up. Uh, So you can hear the next part of our equipment advice, right, Dwayne?
2: That's right, Ben. No one likes a whiner, but as soon as you get yourself some lenses and stop being a whiner and start being an artist, being as you are about to take the best picture of your lives, you had better have the best lens in your life that you possibly can. Or do you? Of course I do. Right, Dwayne? Actually, Ben, that's not true. Because you have the best camera. Any old lens will do. Image quality comes from the camera's brain, and not from some silly Coke bottle that you put in front of it.
4: That's absolutely right, listener. Just snatch up any old lens that you can get at a pawn shop or from your parents' attic and just get to snapping. You'll be on the cover of National Geographic within the
2: week. So, this is what you use, right? What is what I use? I mean, this camera and lens. It's what you use. Oh, oh no. Oh, no,
4: no, no. 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 This This is for most of our listeners to start taking amazing photos But if they wanted to walk my path and create exceptional cutting-edge avant-naturism art, then you would need to eschew the traditional path and work with arcane and difficult tools and mediums so that the inspiration and creation incarnate can visit you and partner with you in your art making, and then she herself ben. can step into your art, and she can you can turn over partial ben. control to her and get more arcane and more more. Aware. Ben,
2: what creativity personified? Yes. What well, are, are you? I I think you're losing the listener.
4: Oh, oh. Well, uh, let me see if I can simplify. I use old, rare, difficult film equipment so that my photos have an element to them that I cannot take responsibility for and therefore I can assure to inject an element of chance and that, um that the goddess of creativity and inspiration then she can step in and give my
2: art the supernatural kiss of life, as it were. Okay, the kiss of life. Got it. So, what camera do you use? A Polaroid X seventy. What? <laughs> the, the, the kind that you shake photos and wait for them to appear? <laughs> oh,
4: well, well, I guess you could put it that way if you wanted to be a total plebeian about hey, hey, it. Wait, I mean, what'd you call me? Uh, no, 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 Dwayne, not you. Uh, I'm, I'm speaking about that, you know, the theoretical listener person, you know.
2: Oh. Did we talk about? Okay. Oh, okay, okay, okay.
4: So, uh,
2: well, let me see some. What? Let me see some of your kissed photos. I think we should share them with the listeners on Twitter or Instagram or something so that they can learn and that they can
4: grow. no, 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 no. These photos are very special and I can't allow just anyone to see them unless they are viewed in the intended context. What?
2: What context?
4: The full intended context of the work that has been grouped together with the proper set of photos that I have called and set apart to be viewed as a Sula Mar la, la, la View Biblioteca, or uh, the Goddess's own love note. Um, they must be viewed this way in a showing that has been carefully set up and arranged for the proper consumption by the viewers, so that I. Can-
2: so, so where, where's the show going to be?
4: Well, I'm scheduled to do another show of one of these sets in Germany at a yet-to-be-determined venue in late 2017. Germany? Yes.
2: Okay, fine. Listeners, Ben will not be showing you any photographs at all, unless you are in Germany in 2017. (laughs) You put it that way. Any (laughs) other equipment we should
4: take in the field, Ben? Well, yes. Um, There is one more thing. Um, A lunch. It's just a good idea. Don't go out in the wilderness without a nice lunch packed, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, no matter what kind of equipment you're using, this is still important. Yeah. I I like to pack a nice sandwich. Uh Uh-huh. Soda. Yep. Uh, A cheese of some sort. Sure. And maybe a small, airtight, internally cushioned container that will carry 15 to 25 chips. well, maybe something with pesto or or flour base, depending on the humidity you have on that particular day, or <laughs> or maybe. Um, uh, uh,
4: wait, just, wait! Wait a minute. Are you, are you what?
2: Uh, are you a are you a chippy? No. You. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Dude, oh, for real? I can't believe it. How did I, I, I never, not know? I've never I'm, met any I've never chip another chip is, not accepted that not chip at chip fun. Mean, what, what are your you you recommendations? Of what do you think about that New Basil and you Calamari stone-fired Tell me about the container you use. Wait, Wait what's the your favorite chip east 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 I, mean, I'm do, I'm do, a I've been to a couple of chip places that know is fantastic, and I
4: just... Later. Yeah, yeah, later. So,
2: Photography!
4: So, listeners, um... Get that one DX Mark II and that um, and, and
2: pack a lunch. Yep,
4: yeah, and s- start taking pictures, and we'll see you next time.
2: And octopuses suck. What? That's right, Andrew. The octopus Dwayne. sucks. Worst Dwayne. cephalopod Dwayne. ever. The squid Dwayne. and the cuttlefish are far Dwayne. superior to Dwayne. the ubiquitous octopus. Dwayne. Lame, Andrew. Come, completely lame. Dwayne. Next time you send Dwayne. in a question, Andrew, make it a good one. You can do better than that, Dwayne. Andrew. the god regarding the god regarding the god regarding the
0: god Where are you, Grang? Is that a public library? Are we
5: recording now?
0: Why, why do we have to be recording so you can tell me if you're in a public library?
5: because I want to make sure that all the out-of-all-doors listeners don't miss out on any crucial bits of information. I don't want them to be confused. Well, we're we're
0: recording, so just tell me and the listeners if you're calling in from a library, secure in the knowledge that none of us will be confused on that point going forward.
5: Uh, Oh, okay. Hello, listeners, and hello to you, Drent. To answer your question, yes, I am calling from a public library. But don't worry, I won't have to be whispering for this update on my quest to obtain the login information for the Lost Out of All Doors blog, because I explained to the librarian and to the other patrons that this is very important, which they didn't believe at first, but then when I told them who I'm with now, they got scared and said I could do whatever I want. So your listening experience will not be hampered by the fact that I'm coming to you from a library. Don't worry. All
0: right. Well, back up. So you, you told them who you're with, and they got scared. What what does that mean? That sounds like trouble already.
5: Oh, hold on, Drent. We shouldn't get ahead of ourselves. First, what was the last thing that I told you last time?
0: Uh, if I remember right, you were begging for money on an overpass so you could pay back the Udoval's for all the doors, you lost, destroyed, and buried. But I think you were planning on trying to find someone called the Utevalds because they were the new owners of the password?
5: Oh, right, right. I remember now, yes. So there I was, knowing that the Utavalds had the login information, but not knowing how to find them. And until I could figure out how to track them down, I was stuck paying off my debt to the, Ute- the Falls and getting no closer to getting the blog back for us. I tried asking the Uteval's irresponsible grandson where the Utevalds were, since he was the one who had sold them the login information, but he had no idea, since he'd only interacted with them online. Then I tried to bribe him for their email address with portions of my nightly gruel, but he didn't really want any gruel, and to be honest, I couldn't blame him. And I couldn't ask Mr. and Mrs. Uteval about the Utevalds, because they had banned me from speaking in their presence. So it seemed that all hope was lost, but all hope was not lost.
0: No, it never
5: is for you, tragically. Exactly, because I remembered something really curious. You and the listeners will recall my interest in bell choirs. I believe I mentioned that last time. Well, it just so happened that I remembered a very unique album that had come into my possession a little while ago. It was a field recording of a bell choir practicing their routine outside in, well, in a field. And it's a fascinating recording, really. You can hear the breeze, the bird songs, and at one point, one of the members of the bell choir gets stung by a bee. <laughs> oh, the clanging. Anyway, I remembered something about that album. So I went to check and... Wait, sure you, wait, enough, wait, wait, wait,
0: wait. You went to check? You had the album with you in, at the Udoval's?
5: Yes, it was in my car. I take my Bell Choir album collection with me everywhere I go. All right, whatever, go on. So I checked the album, and sure enough, it was released by a tiny, tiny record label that focuses entirely on field recordings, usually of babbling brooks and thunderstorms and vultures feeding, stuff like that. This was their only Bell Choir release, at least that I'm aware of. But I believe that's mostly because bell choirs rarely perform outside. And frankly, this album's a good example of why that is. I'm referring to the B incident, of course. But but anyway, the name of the record company is Ready Utavald Original Outdoor Recordings. Or Utavald OORs for short. Don't you see? Don't you see Drent? That's why they wanted the blog. Utavald OORs. And sure enough, in the liner notes for the album, there was an address. Well, not an address, but the name of a town at least, and that was all I needed. That very night, I slipped away from the utavals under the cover of darkness and made my way north in hot pursuit of the Out of All Doors blog password.
0: Oh, that's a shame. What? Wait, what is? That you left the utavals right as you were probably about to get a promotion.
5: Oh, well, be that as it may, I had more important things to do. Things that were more important for both of us and for the entire out-of-all-doors family. So Not how expensive. much
0: do you owe the Udavalls?
5: Well, we disagree about the math. But, but anyway, so I made my way north, and after a few hours of driving, I arrived at the town I was searching for. It was very small, and I'm deliberately not saying the name because I don't want anyone else who wants the password to come up here and try to get it before I do.
0: Okay, great. So you don't have the password yet. I'm glad we've got that established nice and early.
5: You didn't let me finish. I don't want anyone else who wants the password to come up here and try to get it before I do or to try to get it from me if I already have it because they would never succeed and I don't want them to drive all the way up here generating exhaust and pollution the whole way which hurts the outdoors and then have it all be for nothing, which it would be.
0: Well, I apologize for interrupting. I could have sworn that sentence had long finished by the time I spoke up
5: oh it's it's fine. there's no need to ask for forgiveness for anything, and even if there were, I would definitely grant you that forgiveness. So Anyway, I arrived here in town and immediately asked the first person I saw about the location of the Utewald Original Outdoor Recordings Company. Well, after warning me and warning me and warning me not to go even anywhere near the compound, as she called it, she finally slipped up and said, In fact, I wouldn't go anywhere in the woods east of the highway if I were you. (laughs) Well, my sleuthing ears perked up at that. A clue! There was only one highway she could have meant, and it was the one I was already on. So I gave the woman a sly, Thank you, ma'am, and I followed the highway out of town until it went into a dark wooded valley. Then I parked my car on the side of the road and headed into the woods. Now, the sun was setting, so that was a little concerning, but I had all my sleuthing gear, so I figured I'd be okay.
0: Yeah, because if you got lost in the woods in the dark, you could check some fallen logs for fingerprints.
5: ha, <laughs> 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 Drent. I know you're just kidding, but there really is a lot more to sleuthing than just dusting for p- fingerprints. Oh, like what? Well, there's the magnifying glass, etc., etc. Anyway, I don't want to get too bogged down on this part, but, but suffice it to say, the Utevalds heard me charging around in a panic, so they shot me with some kind of dart that knocked me unconscious or something, and they carried me to their compound. And when I woke up, mission accomplished, I was inside the Utevald Original Outdoor Recordings compound, deep inside the forest. And then when they saw I was awake, they took me to their chieftain, Hollisfell Utevald. Now, I knew these people had the login information, but I didn't know how I was going to get access to it. So I had to think on my feet and come up with a way to remain at the compound until I could get it. So I told chieftain Utevald that I wanted to join the company. I told him I wanted to become a recorder of original outdoor recordings. Well, then he told me that the employees of his company were all descendants of the company's original employees and that outsiders weren't allowed into the company unless, that is, they proved themselves by completing the one trial of dedication. Well, Drent, I don't need to tell you that this was right up my alley. The chieftain warned me that no other outsider had ever survived the one trial of dedication, but that did not dissuade me. Right, why would it? Exactly, it didn't. I was sure that none of those people were ever as dedicated to anything as I am to Out of All Doors. I took the oath, after all. And so it was agreed that I would take on the one trial of dedication, and if I were to pass it, then I would be allowed into the Udivald Original Outdoor Recordings Company. Which would then mean that I could live in the compound with the rest of the company for what they thought would be the rest of my life, but what would actually just be until I could get my hands on the login information.
0: Okay, wait, uh, alright, so, so what, what, what is this
5: compound
0: like? Uh,
5: very primitive. It's surrounded by a wall made out of giant logs, and the huts are all made out of clay and branches and stuff. The people cook their food over fires, their clothes are made out of animal hides, and they have all kinds of strange customs. For example, the chieftain's daughter has spent her whole life inside the compound, and she's only ever going to be allowed to go outside of it once in her whole life, and that's on her honeymoon. Pretty weird, right? But she's been engaged three times, and her dad killed all her fiancés before they could get married, so she still hasn't gotten that honeymoon.
0: Wait, the chieftain kills people, and they live in huts and wear animal skins? I thought this was a record company.
5: Well, yeah, he kills people, but only if they violate sacred customs. So, really, he kind of has to. And those fiancés knew the deal before they got engaged to his daughter. He's very protective of her. But but anyway, the one trial of dedication was pretty simple. All I had to do was get one minute of original outdoor recording of the wind passing through the highest branches of the tallest tree in the forest during a full moon, and then play that recording for the entire company in the compound ceremonial circle during a special circular ceremony. So that's what I did. Well, I did the first part. the The circular ceremony didn't go quite oh, as well. Wait, so wait, wait,
0: wait! You successfully re- recorded the wind and the
5: um, what was it? The wind in the highest branches of the tallest tree in the forest during a full moon. But
0: but how can they tell if there was a full moon just from the audio recording?
5: These people are experts, Trent. They can tell. But so I did that part. I got the recording and I headed back. But how the- how did you do that though? Well, they gave me the equipment the tape recorder with one of those mics, like you know, with a wire, and it goes to the no, tape no, but recorder. how did you
0: get how did you get up to the highest branches of the tallest tree that does not that doesn't uh, sound well, like something you could do
5: Oh well, that part was a complete nightmare. I spent so long climbing, I almost fell dozens of times, and I actually fell dozens more times. I got attacked by birds and squirrels. I found the remains of another man who must have attempted the same trial. I actually ended up spending probably 24 hours in that tree between the going up and the coming down. It was really quite a harrowing experience. But I did it, Drent. I got the one minute of wind audio because, as you and the listeners now know very well, I am dedicated to getting that login information back. And everyone at Utevald Original Outdoor Recordings would know that, too, except that on the hike back to the compound, I got this really great idea for my segment on Out of All Doors. And as soon as I got back, I looked around for something to write the idea down with, but then I remembered that writing's forbidden for everyone except the actual members of the Utevald bloodline. Everyone else just has to use a tape recorder for anything they want to remember. They're very dedicated to tape recorders here. So anyway, I had no choice but to use the tape recorder they'd given me for the one trial of dedication to record my segment idea. So I took the tape out of the recorder to make sure that I wouldn't accidentally record over the recording I'd made for the trial. And I put the backup tape into the recorder. But... Unfortunately, I'd forgotten that I'd already taken the trial tape out of the recorder so I wouldn't accidentally record over it. So what I had actually done was to replace the backup tape with the trial tape and then record over the trial tape, thereby ruining the recording that I'd worked so hard to get. But but look, Trent, I have the tape recorder right here, so just let me play what I recorded for you so what, you can hear the segment idea. Wait, what's...
0: What's going on? You're you're playing me a tape with a recording of yourself describing a segment idea over Skype which I'm recording to to put on a podcast. That's what's Shh, happening right. Sh-
5: yes. Just listen. Drent, you're going to love this. <laughs> segment idea. Out of all doors, out of all doors. An Udovald original outdoor recording style field recording of Out of All Doors being played on a computer that's been set up outdoors. Oh man, the fans are going to love this. Now they'll finally be able to hear Out of All Doors as it was meant to be heard from a recording of it playing outdoors. Uh, Greg, you've really got something this time. Everyone will love this idea, even Drent, especially Drent. In fact, he's probably going to be kicking himself for not thinking of this idea before you did. You are a genius. You're a genius. You are a... Ge- and it goes on like that for a while. So, what do you think?
0: Whew, uh, it's a truly awful idea and you're not a genius. So, 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 so what happened when you had nothing to play for the company at the ceremony?
5: Well, I didn't have nothing to play at the ceremony. I had the segment idea.
0: You played what you just played for me at the ceremony where you were supposed to play the wind recording?
5: Well, it was all I had. And I didn't want to show up empty-handed and look like some kind of fool. And besides that, I thought there was a pretty good chance that they'd hear my segment idea, love it, and decide to let me join the company anyway. So I played it for them, and they were like... But why record something that's already been recorded? And I said that the recording itself hadn't been recording before. So this would be the first recording of the recording. But then they were like, why record a recording at all? And I said, well, because now the recording would be outdoors. But then they said... But what about segments that were already recorded outdoors? And I said that, no, that had nothing to do with this because this was a recording of Out of All Doors as a whole thing, recorded outdoors. And then they said wait isn't this supposed to be a segment in the show but it's as long as an entire show how's that going to work and i was about to rebut this final objection but then the chieftain said that i had recorded over their most sacred sound and that the pre-execution defensive self ceremony was now over and it was time for me to die
0: so your segment idea got you a death sentence Oh, maybe these people aren't as backward as I thought. But still, it sounds like you may have been better off using the defense of self-ceremony to defend yourself instead of your terrible segment idea.
5: Well, I felt that if I could convince them that the segment idea was better than the one minute of Sacred Wind Sound, then they'd realize that I was right to do what I did and they wouldn't kill me. And that almost worked, but they had too many stupid questions and I ran out of time. However just as the chieftain was about to kill me with a blow from his club to what i assume would have been my head his daughter threw herself between us and told the chieftain that we had undergone the betrothal ritual in secret and that now she and i were by all the customs of their people engaged to be married and this meant that i was now officially part of the company and you can't kill a company employee at a circular ceremony no matter what he did even if you're the chieftain.
0: So wait, the the chieftain's daughter told everyone you were engaged to her?
5: Yeah, apparently she must have seen how dedicated I was to getting the sacred recording and fell in love with me from afar. Women love a man who's dedicated to something, whether that be to her or to his kids or, well, really to anything at all.
0: Wait, so everyone thinks that you're engaged to the chieftain's daughter?
5: Well, yes, because I am. You are? Yeah, once we got away from the circular ceremony, she told me we had to hurry up and actually go through with the betrothal ceremony just in case someone got suspicious and they wanted to check to make sure it was real. So we quickly made a tape recording of us saying the sacred words, and then we put the tape in the betrothal ceremony tape deck and pressed play, and then she branded my inner thigh, and that was that. Which they never actually did check, so I sort of wish that we hadn't done that, or at least skipped the thigh branding part. But
0: but you're already married.
5: Well, duh, Drent, I know that. Don't worry, everything's fine. The wedding's not for four days, and I'm going to be gone long before that ceremony ever happens.
0: And, and, And why will you be gone in four
5: days? Because, Drent, this is the great part. The chieftain's daughter knows where the password is. It turns out she's the one who bought the login information from the Ooda Falls grandson. She's sick of the company's primitive business methods, so she decided they needed to have a website, and she finally got her dad to agree to give it a try. So she got a laptop, and she got the login information for the Utevald OORs.wordpress.com site, and she had barely gotten started on learning basic internet skills when several members of the company got bitten by mosquitoes. And this was in February, when there shouldn't have been any mosquitoes. So the chieftain and all the employees decided that the laptop must have cursed them all. And so they lashed it to a raft and sent it down the river which is apparently what they do with everything that curses them. So now all I have to do is to make a raft for myself, sneak away in the night, and follow that computer down the river. And then when I find it, I'll hack it, get the login information off of it, and we'll be good to go.
0: You you know how to make a raft?
5: Well, I'm learning by doing. Although, if I do say so myself, I'm doing a lot more doing than learning. But I can only work on it at night while everyone's asleep. Under the cover of darkness, you know. But three nights from now, I'll be headed down that river after the laptop that holds the answers to all of our dreams.
0: Answers to our dream? Grank, this all sounds like a bigger mess than that door company somehow. And I have to say, I'm a little dubious about your claim that this chieftain's daughter fell in love with you from afar. I mean, didn't you say earlier that there's some custom that she can only leave the compound on her honeymoon? I mean, she's probably just trying to use you as a chance to escape, especially given what you already said about her being disgruntled with how primitive the company is and stuff. I mean, uh, it sounds like she's sick of all this backwoods tribal nonsense and she thinks you're her ticket out.
5: <laughs> uh, Drent, you sound just like her.
0: She told you that outright, but you don't believe her.
5: Well, no, of course not. Look, I know what she's doing. She thinks I'll feel indebted to her for saving my life and all that and she doesn't want the relationship to be unbalanced and get off on the wrong foot. So she's pretending that she's getting something practical out of the relationship too. She's just trying to even things out. Which, you know, is just further proof of how much she's really in love with me because she's so committed to having this relationship work. It's, It's all very sweet and I'm very flattered, but She doesn't know that my heart already belongs to another.
0: Your wife, Megan?
5: Uh, No, to to Out of All Doors. And in just a few short days, I will finally be able to give my love the greatest gift a man could ever give her. The login information to the old Out of All Doors website.
0: Sure, all that needs to happen is for the chieftain to not kill you like he has with all of his daughter's previous fiancés. You need to successfully construct a raft, uh, sneak out of the compound at night before the wedding ceremony, float down river, find a laptop computer that was sent down the river ahead of you weeks ago, and hack that laptop.
5: And then present my blushing bride with her gift. And
0: by your blushing bride, you mean out of all doors and not your actual wife or your fiance.
5: Yes. Well, well. anyway, I need to go to the store before it closes and get some supplies for the company. But you'll be hearing from me with the login information in less than a week. Get excited, Drent. I, uh,
0: I think I'll keep my excitement firmly at its current level. Thank you.
5: Thank you. Bye.
0: gentleman's mills loves animals just a little bit more than you do and that's why they've come out with all these great products to improve your pets own them and cherish them the products that is number one dog Roll. the most stale and boilerplate drivel of the ages translated into a series of barks for your dog to learn so they too can park out some inane malarkey to whatever audience is unfortunate enough to be subjected to it Number two, the cat's pajamas. You have to ask your cat's permission before you can wear these pajamas to bed. Number three, Pup's Patriots. This 17 DVD set instructs your pup on how to operate America's Patriot missile defense system. Outdated to be sure, but probably the best equipment available to the pups after the human's annihilation. Number four, cat down to mew years. May all acquaintance be fur got. Kitty will love this ball that slowly drops one night a year for playing purposes. 79. $9.99. Number five, Curse of the Red Tops. Your cats may love or hate these tiny red wigs, but they'll have to wear them by grace. Once they're sewn in, they ain't going nowhere without a painful lobotomy. Now comes in three shades of red and red light color. Number six, Taco Coats. Your pet shrimp will love this set of hard and soft-shell taco coats made out of real tortilla shells. They'll be styling and profiling in their new coats. They'll be so chic you could just eat them up. Also comes with lettuce scarves and diced tomato pants to wear with the taco coat. Number seven, Kami Captain. This big hat holds up to three pets who all have to equally share the goodies inside. Number 8. Kitty's Big Day Gentlemen's Mill's co-founders spare no expense, pomp, or circumstance to give your cat the big day she dreamed of since she was a kitten. Inquire for pricing. The Art Institute of Chicago requires an eight-month notice for reservation. Number 9. Here Comes Snail Attach this bell-laden ribbon to snail by whatever means suits you and then prepare for a life free of worry about snail sneaking around the house. Number 10. Cruisin' fur a-bruisin'. The ultimate getaway for those owning over four pets. Walk them up the gangway and then all aboard. Anchors away, animals will play. If you're caught spayin', you won't be playin'. Number eleven, fake animal dinner. This artificial meal never decays. When mom asks if you've done chores, point right at it. Number twelve, cat dentures. When your cool cat opens his mouth, it will reveal a smaller cat opening its mouth and so on. Six cats in and you'll reach the inner cat, also known as the cat core, which has a tiny tongue that's eager to lick. An engineering marvel, the cats do not necessarily open their mouths at coordinated intervals. Number 13. Expanding bird cage. Watch with delight as your pet bird uses its primitive reasoning skills to discover the buttons and switches that will cause its cage to expand to the size of a human dining room, not for outdoor use. Number 14, taste makes waste. For every time your cow licks this salt block, we donate one piece of useless junk. Number 15, grub jacket. This Kevlar jacket helps protect your grubs from predators. Number 16. Horseback Side Cart Ride down the street on your prized Clydesdale with your sidekick's sterlish scarf flapping in the wind way down into the right. While we've perfected the smooth glide two wheel chassis, we've not tested this side cart while hitched to horses of all sizes and gates, and thus this product may be subject to recalls or partial mail and rebates. Number 17. Cut and Bark This special knife is designed for your special pup to hold in his mouth so that he can cut pieces of tree bark into more manageable chunks. Once the pup is done cutting, he might let out a sound of approval specific to canines. Number 18, Chimney Ladder for Pets. If your pet wants to go up the chimney so bad, then fine, here's a ladder to make their stupid dream a reality, but we know as well as you do that they're not going to like it in there. Number 19, Flushable Miniature Headstone, for when your goldfish dies. Number 20, Total Recall Dog Edition. This is one massive dog biscuit embossed with the approximate image of the Total Recall VHS case, warning to dog owners. The VHS within the biscuit as well as the case's metal hinges remain inedible. Number 21, Uganda Iguana. These iguanas migrated to Uganda and lived there long enough to establish residency, so we're calling them Uganda Iguanas, only from Gentlemen's Mills. Number 22, Snake Wrap. This wrapping paper has been specially designed for the gift of a pet snake. Wrap your gift snake in the snake wrap exactly 2 weeks ahead of the recipient's birthday or occasion. During the two-week period, the snake will slowly shed the snake wrap to reveal itself. A snake. Note that the snake wrap paper is covered in the words snake wrap over and over. Number 23. gentlemen's Mills Ant Farm-A-C. You and your children will want to spend hours watching the ants inside your transparent, dirt-filled Gentleman's Mills Ant pharmacy fail to fill prescriptions. Number 24. Funty Brass, 1800, darkness this is an original, absurdist play written and directed by gerbils. It's mostly nonsense, but it is the first and only of its kind, so here it is. Gentlemen's Mills is only endorsing this product for its uniqueness. It is otherwise very difficult to watch. Buy it and imagine it. That's what we did. And number 25, Curtsy Frogs. We've trained a limited number of frogs to curtsy on command, though they mutiny upon overcommand and disenjoy the curtsying in general. Nevertheless, the curtsying takes place for a limited time only. Close your eyes, says Prancine the gazelle, your favorite character from your favorite childhood cartoon, the only gazelle, who is now leading this visualization exercise for you because I just don't feel like I'm getting through to you anymore. Lie down and relax, she continues in her shrill, piercing, soothing voice. You find yourself in the town of Warmsey on a beautiful spring day, says Prancine. As you know, Wormsey is inhabited by all kinds of people. Animals, mythical creatures, sentient robots, but only one gazelle. Me, Prancine. She capers around as she narrates her visualization. Or I guess that's a prance. That makes more sense. You decide you want to walk to prettyful parks, says Prancing to you. It's a combination of the words pretty and beautiful which are synonyms. Also prettyful and park are an example of alliteration. I bet you didn't realize you'd be learning so much in this visualization. I bet you didn't know you could learn and relax at the same time. Look up at the sun. Look at the clouds. Look at the blue sky. Look at the birds. Look at the sun again. Look at the clouds in that part of the sky. Now there are some different birds. Look at those. Now look down. See? You're at pretty full park and now it's time to play Francine pauses to catch her breath then surges ahead you find some robots playing frisbee and ask them if you can play with them they say that you're welcome to play frisbee with them and then they throw the frisbee to you and you catch the frisbee and you do not drop it you catch it the robots all ooh and ah, they're so impressed with your catch. They'll imprint the memory of that catch on their circuit boards so they can remember it forever. Because robots live forever, so that means your catch will live forever in the electronic brains of these robots. And you throw the frisbee back to them and they scatter in all directions, squealing like pigs full of demons. Remember, this is scene telling you all this. I'm just the messenger. You laugh and laugh and laugh, says Prancine to you while prancing to newer, higher heights. There's nothing you find funnier than throwing a frisbee at robots and watching them flee in their closest approximation of human terror. Now you decide you want to find some, some, uh, giants! There are usually lots of giants in Prettyful Park. Just follow the trail of destroyed playground equipment and you're sure to find a few giants. Look, a swing set twisted into the shape of a pretzel rod. The Giants must be that way. You run that way. No, wait, you don't run. You roller skate. Yeah. You go over a ramp at top speed, and as you're soaring through the air, you get another opportunity to look at the clouds, look at the sun and the birds at the same time, and the blue sky behind them. Now land your jump. You did it, and here are the Giants. They're cooking a stew over a campfire. You go up to them and ask if they want to play with you. They say, sure, let's play stew. Okay, you say, how do we play? We keep making this stew, say the Giants. You're no fun, you say petulantly. I thought stew was going to be a fun game. That expectation was exactly what we were banking on when we set our verbal snare for you. Say the giants, if you hadn't thought that, our joke would have fallen completely flat, and we wouldn't have been amused. So trying to make us feel bad by telling us that your expectation was exactly what we hoped it would be—well, that's a tough road to hoe, my friend. And let's pause our visualization here, so I can tell you what tough row to hoe means. It's an old expression that means something is difficult. It comes from farming or gardening, and the old. When your grandparents were little Everyone knew about gardening And there were many colloquialisms Built around gardening terminology Such as growing like a weed And two peas in a pod And that man looks like a scarecrow Now back to the visualization You leave the giants to their stew Which you now know is not a game And you look for someone who's actually fun to play with you look for someone unique, someone who's one of a kind, someone who's the only one of her kind, and that's exactly who you find, me, Prancine the Gazelle, the only gazelle in all of Wormsey. In fact, I'm the only gazelle in the whole universe, and you get to play with me. We chase each other around on the soft green grass, says Prancine, violating the most important rule of visualization exercises by inserting herself directly into the visualization, not just as a narrator, but also as one of the characters you're supposed to be visualizing, a flagrant breach of your trust, We chase and chase, says Francine. I chase you, and then you chase me. Then I'm like, hey, I have an idea. Let's not just run, let's prance. And you say, okay, that sounds like so much fun. I've always wanted to prance with you, Francine, ever since I was little. So we start to prance. I'm prancing all over the park. And you, well, you're trying to prance, but... Prancine trails off, pretending like she's trying to be tactful. Honey, can I be honest? Francine asks you. You just can't prance. Not like I can. And I'm not saying that's your fault. After all, you're just a human person. Whereas I'm Francine, the only gazelle. That means no one can prance like me. No one ever has and no one ever will. And I prance circles around you. I prance back and forth over your head. I prance on your head. I prance up and down on your head. And while Prancine is prancing on top of your head in your visualization, I ask permission to take control of the visualization exercise again. I won't say I told you so, I'm here to help. Are you willing to let me narrate again? Thank you, you won't be sorry. So, as Prancine prances up and down on your head, you pull your Smart Style phone out of your pocket. Perfect 4G service, that's ideal. You use your Smart Style phone's internet browser to access YouTube, where a cursory search brings you a video clip that will suit your purposes just fine. Hey, Francine, you say. Check this out. She stops prancing in your head and looks at the screen of your phone. What, what? What is that, she asks. What are you showing me? Her voice trembles. Oh, it's nothing, you say. Just a video someone took in Africa of a whole herd of gazelles. Dozens of them. Look, a lion's eating that one, but the rest don't even care. That's how common gazelles are. They're so common that other gazelles consider other gazelles expendable. And at that... Francine leaves. She doesn't prance, though. She walks with bad posture. She slouches away. She slumps home. And you, now, you open your eyes, and as you live your life this month, take the peace of permanently ridding yourself of your childhood heroes by exposing them to the bitter realities that contradict their flawed self-images and the peace of Out of All Doors with you, even when you're inside of one or more doors. Thank you for listening to the 19th episode of Out of All Doors. I'm Adam Drent, and I would like to thank Matt Martin, Casey By, Grang Lynch, Chris Nichols, Andy Popp, and Berg, benberg Bird, Katie McVeigh, and Aaron Eikenberry for their contributions, written, audible, and technical. Thanks to Casey By, Chris Nichols, and J.J. Evans for making all the music used in the show. If you'd like to get in touch for any reason, you can send emails to the show at outofalldoors at gmail.com or me personally at adamdrent at gmail.com. You can also call or text me at 574-518-1983. I'd love to hear from you. And I'm active on Twitter, too. I'm at Huge Pop. Here's another thing I'd love. If you went on iTunes and rated this podcast, maybe wrote a review, maybe even subscribed, and be sure to check out my website, hugepop.com, where you can find links to my other projects, including Bedtime Stories, One Man's World, and the music I make is The Mispronouncer. Bedtime Stories and One Man's World are also on iTunes if you search for them under podcasts, and you could rate and review those too. And a Bedtime Stories app is also available for all smart-style phones. We'll be back in a month with episode 20 of Out of All Doors.